0: Welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, we're back again, back together at last, although we're not quite together, but we are back. We're back for you guys. The schedule is out, or the schedule, depending on what you call it. We'll talk to uh, Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl winner Cliff Averill about Danger Russ, about the dynasty or the dynasty that never was, and any other news. This is the Gridiron Show. Welcome to the Green Show. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter. Uh, hey Willie, you're back. Hey big dog, how's it going? Yeah, well, right. Take two was way better than take one,
1: but that's not. Well, I much. did. I've got to tell you, I didn't hear either. So uh, I hope that they were both wonderful. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. This ha- this, ha- this happened last time though. I didn't hear it. I was like, are you sure it recorded? And then later we found out it did, so it's fine. It's fine, and it recorded. How was New York, buddy? New York was fantastic. I had a brilliant time. Um yeah, it's the longest. i I've been to New York a few times now, but normally previously only for a couple of days here or a few days there as like part of a wider trip. Um this was a good extended nine, ten days out there, out there for WrestleMania and, and went to kind of well, I was out there for nine nights and I went to four wrestling events and then five theatre slash Broadway related type things with my wife. So uh, it was action packed. It was very busy. We ate a lot of very good food and oh, walked around yeah. a lot of very interesting neighborhoods and, you know, got, had great ramen and had great barbecue and just, you know, I soaked up the New York lifestyle. It's a city that I would move to in an absolute heartbeat. But, you know,
0: which neighborhood? That's which how are,
1: these things work, unfortunately.
0: Which neighborhood kind of goes under the radar that you stumbled into that you really liked?
1: Uh, i really like so we were staying in williamsburg in brooklyn uh and that was you know real hipstery but in a very good way so I you're loved, right at I, home, was, yeah yeah exactly i mean perfect for me um and brooklyn in general you know there was a lot of really nice areas uh, in brooklyn it's quite underrated i think of the boroughs it's it would be the place that i would most want to to live but you know, in terms of Manhattan itself, if you get downtown and you get into, like, the the East Village and Soho and around there, a lot of people complain that it's kind of, you know, or it, you know, it's been gentrified or it's lost its New York soul or whatever. But there's still a lot of original businesses there. Loads of cool little bars and restaurants and, you know, it's just the sort of place where you can... You can kind of only walk a, a five to ten block span in a, in a you know three, four hour period mm. and just keep stopping in places and just, you know, uh, chatting to locals. And I mean, for the wrestling podcast, I do. We recorded a podcast in a bar and ended up getting chatting to the staff there on the show just because they were like so friendly and, uh, you know, loads of little New York stories to tell and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I mean, we. I also got to get out to MetLife. Obviously, it was MetLife for, for the Graps rather than for American football. But we um, we went a couple of days ahead of the event and got to go meet up with the CEO of MetLife Stadium and, and doing a bit of a piece with him and about what it takes to put on a big event like that. And it's a really, really impressive facility, especially yeah. considering that, you know, these, A 10-year-old stadium is old now for the NFL when you think about what's going on in L.A. and Vegas and San Francisco and Minnesota and Atlanta. Or in and North London. You know, uh, and North London, of course, yeah. So when you consider all of those things, um, it's, a, it, it's a really, really cool facility and they, they kind of approach things in the right way and it's very much fan fo- experienced focus. Um, so, yeah, I'm a I, I big, big fan.
0: Well, I'm, I'm I'm glad that you had a great time, buddy. MetLife is I a obviously really...
1: missed you. Well, uh, I, I'm not, not sure... enough that... to have come into the office, but <laughs> no, it's fine. And I'm
0: not sure you did miss me. Uh, quite frankly, I've been replaced when it comes to your love and your wife's love with Sammy. Sammy,
1: and I don't oh, mind. Is... I don't mind. <laughs> is... He's because he's is a wonderful it? man. <laughs> is, is this it? you believe that you've been replaced now? Have you have you really taken this to heart? I'm actually surprised that you and I are still
0: doing a podcast because I would have thought Sammy would be doing the Gridiron show from now on. <laughs> quite quite frankly, I did not get oh, any boy. email to go to New York. That's fine. Um, yet again... When
1: did you ever think that you would be invited to New York? Well, why well, did you think
0: that was a thing? Well, you know, why why, why? why... Do you know what? Everybody here who follows you on Instagram or... Um, knew that you were out in New York were like are you jealous of, of Will? Are you why aren't you out there? Why what's going on? They think you and I joined at
1: the hit. Okay. I mean
0: <laughs> sorry obviously... I found it really funny that that it wasn't like, oh how's Will doing? Actually a lot of people ask that, but it mainly it was why aren't you out there? What's going on? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Will goes uh, abroad,
0: Ollie must be there. Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean it it does feel a little bit
0: like that sometimes, but yeah, I know. I bro. love you, it. Me too, but Me too. Um, where do you want to start? Like, there's so much stuff going on.
1: Well, no, how have you been? You haven't told me anything.
0: Oh, you've been. mate, I've, uh, I've I've finally had my mortgage approved, but it's at the worst time because of Easter, so people have extended time off. Next th- Tuesday, I'm going in to sign it and then send it off, and then we'll sort an ex- uh, completion date. So I reckon mm, uh, in about. 10 days time i should be in my new place can't
1: wait love it otherwise
0: otherwise all good all fine um i just cannot wait
1: to have a base you know what i mean i just want to have a base really that's great thanks um so in in terms of the in terms of the show so what we've got to talk about today we have got to talk about the nfl uk games we've got to talk about the schedule release a little bit schedule Uh, schedule Uh, And we've got to talk about the, uh, I mean, the draft stuff. So from next week, we'll be getting a lot draft heavier. We've got, uh, we'll be doing the guys who do the draft show, we'll be doing, defensive minded stuff and i think some line based stuff as well i think we're going to do a mock draft and then ollie and i will do much more of a team needs type podcast so you can match up what the guys sherry and clancy are saying about the players available with what we're saying about what people need and where they'll reach and where they'll hopefully get the right kind land the right kind of guys that they're looking for um so that's all kind of coming up from next week. So there's not a lot to say about the draft. I did. There was a couple of interesting QB bits. Um, you know, Joe Flacco was interviewed and said it's out of his control if the Broncos choose to draft a quarterback at 10. And, and interesting to see Dwayne Haskins come out and say that Eli Manning's a legend and he'd have absolutely no problems sitting behind him and learning. From him, the same way he did with JT Barrett, Ohio State. So those are a couple of interesting wrinkles. Um, and Ezekiel Elliott's option getting picked up by the Cowboys. I mean, that's as expected as it could be. So I think it's schedule stuff, NFO UK schedule. stuff. And, and Russell Wilson is the only other really big one that we need to talk about, right?
0: I think so, yeah. Nothing else has happened.
1: So we've got Cliff Averill. Uh, coming up on the show in a short while uh, and he talked they talk about the Russell Wilson and the contract situation so we'll get into that shall we start off with the NFL announcing the schedule for the London games
0: let's do that and it starts off on week five 6th of October Sunday the Bears at the Raiders at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the amount of interest just in the office here of people going can you get me tickets, can you get, do you know how to get tickets, can you get us tickets so that one particular game because it is at Tottenham's new stadium has been, I would say at least six people here have asked me about it and they're not necessarily NFL fans it, the, it, the, it's caused quite a stir even though everyone knew it was sort of coming
1: Look, obviously, you are going to get the same little bit of backlash as we got last year from people with the 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 fact that it's a slightly smaller stadium, and these games now do legitimately sell out uh, all four games. You know, there was a point a few years ago when they first went to two games, three games, where they they would sell out but there would still be a lot of return tickets coming in available from the teams and there would still be a bunch of like you know released competition tickets. so they would still be able to get a ticket at a later time whereas now they are much much more difficult to get and uh, whilst we haven't had confirmation about what the capacity will be for the NFL because of the same problems they had last year with the camera positioning and all that nonsense I I think this is only a massive positive. I know we've discussed it quite a few times, but I love the new Tottenham Stadium being an NFL venue. I can't wait to go there for the first game. I think it's exactly the right choice of first game. I don't know if they had the choice, but... I can remember when they said what the games were going to be. We went, well, Texans-Jags is definitely going to be at Wembley because the Jags will only play at Wembley. So the obvious choice to me to open up the Tottenham Stadium is Bears-Raiders, two classic franchises on the 100-year anniversary of the NFL, two well-supported teams here in the UK. It'll get a real buzz. It's got the storylines to draw in interest from the wider NFL of being the Khalil Mack revenge game. Everything about it, I think, is really positive.
0: I cannot wait for it. I really can't. I'm kind of torn who I want to win as well because you know I, I'm not a big Gruden guy. Uh, massive understatement. But also I don't like the Bears. However, Khalil Mack is so watchable and he was so watchable last season. Just, it's it's great to think. And of course he's played in, out in the UK before when he was a Raider. Um, it's great to think that those two storied franchises are going to open up the International Series. After that, the week after the 13th of october week six the panthers at the bucks and i love this the panthers haven't been to the uk before the bucks obviously have but the bucks now have um uh, our favorite man bruce arians as their head coach so there's an awful lot to like about this matchup at the stadium as well
1: and it's sounding like Jameis winston while he might not be ready for training camps should be back this season um the surgery going well the 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 fact is is that I'm not the biggest Jameis Winston guy, but what he is is a bold quarterback who keeps his eyes downfield and likes to sling it, and you've got a, a quarterback guru who loves to play in that style these in theory it's a match made in heaven or hell depending on how many turnovers you like and don't like but I think it will be entertaining either way I think the bucks will be the most interesting they've been for years this season um, so and uh, yeah I, there's a lot to enjoy about that one I'm I'm considering so I, I'm planning to maybe be going out for the opening games this year uh, with sherry um, there's still we're still up in the air over uh the nfl rights for radio so whether Talksport will have the rights or not we won't know for a short while but i need to talk to you we... about
0: that off air yeah
1: by the way okay Just, that reminded me i made, I made a mental note yep. um so you know if if that is happening we will i will go from the bears packers game up to um new england for Steelers patriots and we'll do the game from in stadium but if i'm not doing that I'm tempted to head down to Tampa and go to the Bucks 49ers season opener because actually I think it's going to be a really entertaining game of football. Um, yeah, to any chance to see the 49ers, of course, it's a stadium I've not been to before, but outside of that, I just think it'll be really, really good fun with those teams involved. So again, I'm with you. I like that game. And again, I like... I, I just want to make one note. I'd like to personally thank the NFL and NFL UK for seemingly answering... My uh, silent prayers uh, about the schedule this year schedule, yeah. because I have a wedding uh, the week after the fourth and final game mm-hmm. and I have the stag do for said wedding on the weekend of the 19th and 20th of October, which happens to be the NFL UK mini-buy, because we're doing four in five weeks. They're doing two weeks, one off, two weeks again. And so the stag do, I'm not going to have to come home early from, and the wedding, I'm not going to have to worry about there being an NFL game. So cheers, guys. I know that, <laughs> I probably didn't come into consideration, but I couldn't have been happier when the schedule came out.
0: The old, I probably didn't come into consideration, if there's a tiny, I reckon there's at least 1% of you that thinks I did come into consideration there. <laughs> it's classic triple B, classic triple B there. I didn't come into consideration, but I hope I did. <laughs> um, yeah, you mentioned uh the mini buy. There is a mini buy. But then 27th, 27th of October at Wembley Stadium, Bengals and Rams. And then after that, 3rd of November, Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Lots to like here. Rams went yeah. to the Super Bowl. I mean, Bengals. We don't know what they're going to be with their new head coach yet. They they might be a a, a disaster class. They might surprise us. So yeah, you know, there's still some talent on that roster. So they are probably one of the biggest question marks going into the new season. And Texans, Jags. I mean, uh, if the Foles if Foles reuniting with his former OC kind of all comes together and works, then great. And I, I like Houston again this year with that kind of Hopkins um, with the, the clowny Watt pairing on the other side of the ball with you know a quarterback we really like in Watson. So there's lots of talent there. These are good games.
0: Have you seen uh, JJ Watt saying uh, something to the effect of get ready Nando's or, or something like that? <laughs>
1: um,
0: why do Americans love Nando's? It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe oh, it, I have no idea. Is it because it, Americans like crap food? Is that it?
1: Uh, it might. I mean, it might well be. But actually, you know, our experience is recently in America is that the food's been really good.
0: Exactly. So uh, why do they like Nando's
1: so much? It's just rubbish. Nando's is... No, I, I disagree that Nando's is rubbish. Uh, Nando's is good. Ooh. It's just painfully overpriced. Overpriced.
0: And I don't think for, it, the chicken's for, actually that good.
1: For 12, 13 quid for something that I could get in like a peri-peri chickens for seven quid and the quality wouldn't be that much worse. It's not as good, but it's, you know, it's not 100% slash 50%, whichever way you look at it, worse than it is going to Nando's. So I I do think the chicken is decent, but I I avoid it as a general rule because I think if I'm going to pay that, I'd just rather go and eat somewhere proper.
0: 100%. 100%. I think Nando's is uh, painfully overrated by a lot of people don't like it unless they want to sponsor the podcast and then i love it well done Um, nando's
1: yeah so good i'm glad that we're in agreement that we like the london games
0: let's talk about Um, the rest of the schedule
1: a big big fan more than anything else so i have been somebody who has been a real get off my lawn not fan of it of um when Premier League teams do wacky ways of like announcing new signings or whatever but have you been following much of how the teams on Twitter and Instagram have been announcing the games
0: I mean I've seen Atlanta Falcons and us being big Game of Thrones guys uh I loved the Atlanta Falcons and the way that they
1: announced theirs but I haven't seen any of the others really the Falcons one was absolutely superb from not just because Game of Thrones very zeitgeist and it was very well done but the trolling of Saints fans was just stunning for the Saints home game at um at Atlanta the Game of Thrones bit comes up outside the stadium and there are Saints fans walking towards the stadium one of the Saints fans is blindsided by a a, a loose ram and then a referee runs in and rules them dropping their bags or whatever as incomplete. Oh, that's brilliant! <laughs> and it's just—it's <laughs> it, just the subtlest little. Well, it's not so subtle when all of Twitter has spotted it, but it's very, very funny. Um, you know, th- some of them have been a bit more, a bit naffer than others. Um, a lot of them, the a lot of the Instagram ones, things like, uh, it was very funny seeing the difference between. Both the Eagles and the Titans did the same approach on Instagram, which was have a famous fan of theirs announce one week's games. Weirdly, Eric Dyer was one of the ones on the uh, Eagles one on week eight. So he's like, week eight, the the, uh, Falcons are coming to town or whatever. Um, But seeing who Philly had as their choices, which was like edgy comedians, hip-hop stars, sports stars from other sports. And then for the Titans, it was basically almost entirely country music stars,
2: (gasps) Uh,
0: yeah,
1: (laughs) which was very, very funny to me. Um, uh, And they had Dolly Parton doing some uh, stuff as well, which was pretty cool. Well, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, Dolly's uh, a legend. So, yeah,
1: but you know, the the Packers did this video game thing and like people really like, even though I was a little bit, I've been negative on this stuff in the past. It was a nice bit of creativity, something a bit different, something a bit fun. I, I thought it was great, oh, and then obviously the trolling for the Falcons was good. Are
0: we seeing a, a a bit of a change in Willie for this next season? Are we seeing a more giving and loving Willie, a softening Willie, a softening uh, Willie? Is is Willie no longer as hard as he once was? Why am I doing this? No, I don't, I don't know. know it's not the sports bar. I can only apologise to all of those out there. The um the Panthers and the Bucks around the London game announcements was quite funny on Twitter. Um, the the panthers just did a, a a still saying that we're going to be in london facing the bucks and then the bucks replied with a gif of friends going london baby and then the panthers replied with another gif of just a guy sort of shooing them away not cool not mm. cool which <laughs> I, I, I i did love that
1: um what i, what I did find why I will say i did find interesting about the uh the schedule release because the, the fact is is that There is always too much attention poured over this. The fact that it's so close to the draft makes me think that does it need to have as much attention poured on it? But it's the NFL offseason. They will take any bit of news and really run with it. And I get it. Um, What I did find interesting was the team. What I I always find interesting is the teams who have primetime matchups and how many primetime matchups they have. And sometimes they absolutely screw this sometimes they make a complete and utter mess of this but through no fault of their own last year the 49ers had four or five prime time games because they were like oh Shanahan Garoppolo real like you know, exciting stuff young defense and then so there were some bad injuries and the 49ers ended up being basically irrelevant and you know things like 49ers Giants that we saw being on uh, a Monday night game was farcical mm. but It's interesting to see that they've given the Browns four primetime games. Uh, That's the OBJ effect. That the Jets have had more primetime games than they've had in the last three or four years. You'd say That's the Le'Veon Bell effect. Um, That the teams who have five games slated for them, which is the the top number that anyone has, you've got uh, some obvious ones in there. The Chiefs, you know, no surprise there. Uh, Steelers. The Rams, the Eagles, but then teams like I think the Vikings was quite interesting to me. The Seahawks was quite interesting to me considering where they are at the moment. Uh, the Packers, I think there's so much intrigue with them and the new head coach and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Bears and Cowboys, you know, teams who uh, look like they're there or they're about talent-wise, but can they get over the line? This, I, that's the thing I find quite interesting with the primetime stuff. That and the fact that they've made a very specific effort to celebrate the 100th anniversary by having one historic match-up per week, which has some kind of relevance to the history of the league, I also thought was quite cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've had enough time to plan all of this. So <laughs> <laughs> the fact that they finally, they've come up with it is is genius, but there's probably been a team of people working round the clock to to figure out what's best and where. Um Some of the, if you look at, uh, I think it's, Brandon Lee Galton from um, from Bleeding Green. we found him on our TalkSport show a couple of times. He said, Again, the Cowboys have played zero Thursday road games on fewer than seven days rest in this same stretch. The NFL is giving Dallas an unfair advantage by allowing the Cowboys to play at home every year on Thanksgiving. He's That's quote tweeting afterwards. Um, the Eagles have to face three teams, the Jets, Patriots and Seahawks, coming off their bye week. They have a Thursday road game for the fifth time in the last six years. So... Um, there is this perception that certain teams get the rub of the green compared to other teams, but you could you can read into everybody's schedule each year and say, oh, it's like um, it's like radio presenters, every, like Adrian Durham or yourself, for instance. Every fan thinks that they that you guys hate their team, and it's just
1: oh, not God. true. So ridiculous!
0: You you, I, I, only, you legitimately only hate uh, the Dallas Cowboys.
1: <laughs> and Arsenal. And uh, um, yeah the, uh, the situation, like, I, I do find that whole thing hilarious. But I think the NFL do try desperate to desperately try to be fair. I saw some 49ers fans complaining about the fact that we've got a week four bye this year which I hate the week four buy. I think there shouldn't be a buy that early in the season, but I get that they have to schedule them from week four to week 11 or 12, whichever it is to make sure that everyone gets their buy week without it affecting negatively affecting TV scheduling, everything else. But actually that's the first time the, the 49ers have had an early buy in nearly a decade. Uh, and last couple of years, we've had a very late buy, which hasn't worked out for us because of injuries, but you prefer a a mid to late by rather than an early by. So Mm. I think they have taken those things into consideration. And also I think it's only two teams have the week four by this year. I think it's us and the jets. I want to say off the top of my head, obviously could check that, but I'm just going to try and guess it. But with both teams, they've also been scheduled for a Thursday night game where their game the following week is say like a Monday night game. So they've been given like a, a long week between their Thursday and another game, so they get like a mini buy later in the season. So they've tried desperately to be as fair as possible. And the fact is, is I, the Thursday home and away thing could potentially be a legitimate problem. But most of the time, the biggest complaints people have is about how tough their schedule is. Well, the toughness of your schedule is determined by which division you're in, which isn't going to change. Is determined by where you finished in your division, which is. A sign of success So all that stuff is nonsense It's the same every year You can tell I can tell you who You know 12 of your 15 opponents 12 of your 13 I think of your 16 opponents Are going to be Forever In perpetuity Until they change The division setup. So Get over it The schedule is what it is You've got to play to it And you've got plenty of time To plan for it
0: Yeah Absolutely I cannot agree with you anymore
1: Shall we talk some Roussel Wilson
0: I mean Yeah it was obvious that the guy was going to sign. I mean, there were Seahawks fans petrified that he wasn't, and there was this whole, will he, won't he? It was always going to sign. It was just a matter of how much, and it was always going to be more than Aaron Rodgers because that's just the way it
1: works. So a four-year, $140 million deal with $107 million guaranteed. I think it was sixty. 60- 70 something odd uh, fully guaranteed at the top which uh, surpassed uh, Rogers deal of last year that's the the real number to me is is what the fully guaranteed money is look the fact is is that you know, Russell Wilson is a top 5 to 10 quarterback in the NFL depending on how you feel about his style of play and how it would fit into what you would want from a quarterback but he wins you games that your team shouldn't necessarily be winning and that's a huge factor but equally, we've seen more and more outside of those consistently successful teams, like the Patriots, who you know we keep asking why more people don't copy the their the way that they do things, but teams have struggled when quarterbacks have come off their rookie contracts and they've had to you know stop paying free agents as much and I think the same was true when Russell Wilson got his first big contract. They had to let a lot of those defensive linemen go, like Cliff Averill, who we're going to be hearing from in a moment. And you look at the success of the top quarterbacks on an average yearly salary last year getting to the playoffs. And very, very few of the top 10 actually made the playoffs. Drew Brees did. Andrew Luck did. I think that might be it of the top paid quarterbacks mm. from last year. Oh, Russell Wilson, because the Seahawks sneaked snuck in. But, you know, it's very difficult to build a team when you're paying one player 30, 33, 28, 27, whatever it is, million dollars per year. It's difficult to build a roster around that. And so whilst you appreciate it's what the Seahawks needed to do, you do then go, well, how successful can they be? whilst paying somebody that sort of money.
0: Yeah, and they're going to have to use the draft well again, but they've got previous reviews in the draft well, picking up bargains here and there, picking up players... But then
1: they've not drafted well for four years at least now, so... Yeah, I I mean, you say that, but drafting
0: the way that they did last year and still making the playoffs has to be some sort of... You know, that, that has to be a success,
1: yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, the Seahawks were one of my biggest surprises of last year, the way that they performed. Um was it and and look, there were there were some good later round pickups, undoubtedly, but the stuff that they did when Pete Carroll first came in and those drafts where they brought in a bunch of very successful defensive backs in the fifth, sixth, seventh round that hasn't happened again since. And it's very difficult to do that, obviously. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not expecting the Seahawks to be going on another Super Bowl run with Russell Wilson as their quarterback unless they really stun us with a couple of really impressive drafts.
0: And what's interesting, actually, is that... I think going...
1: Russell Wilson will be a one Super Bowl guy. I think I'm,
0: I'm... <laughs> yeah, I think so, given some of the talent that's, that's around there um, with him at the moment. And the fact that this draft isn't necessarily that laden um, with the with some of the skill positions anyway, uh, and also the Seahawks don't have a, a second round draft pick this season, so that's one less player of absolute quality that they can bring in. But with the undrafted and the late draft picks, you know, it is a lottery, and we'll we'll we've, talk more we've, about we've that about last it. year, uh, last, yeah, last
1: last week. We we've talked about it before with the Seahawks when Scott McLuhan was there, who is clearly an absolute genius of player evaluation when he was there in, in the kind of supporting role they had three or four really good drafts in a row they need to have a couple of really good drafts in the row uh, and whilst Pete Carroll is obviously a brilliant coach nobody does what Belichick does in terms of picking up just a guy type players off the street type players but that their skill set perfectly fit what they want to do and find exactly their niche in the team and develop them and train them in a way where they can just find somebody who probably wouldn't have a huge amount of success elsewhere and, and they do a job for the Patriots. It's very, very difficult to do and I, I still believe that we will go for you know a period of time where you're going to see teams like the Rams, the Eagles, who have a cheap young quarterback, will have the success mm. and then that will move on again. Um, there are a few teams out there now, it's got to be said though, like the Colts, like the 49ers who actually have both cap space and an expensive quarterback. And it's going to be intriguing to see how those teams do. Yeah. um, Yeah. And, um, look, just to,
0: to to put a, not a nail in the, in the Seahawks 2019 draft coffin, but they've, (laughs) they've got four picks, one, three, four, and five, 21, That's it. That's it. That's ridiculous that they've only got that amount of, um, those many picks they traded away their second round pick to the Houston for Dwayne Brown the the offensive tackle their sixth round pick to Green Bay for Brett Hundley <laughs> and their seventh round pick to the Raiders for um Shalo, for safety Shalom Luani so ooh, they may yeah, yeah. But,
1: but I tell you that's a lot that working the other out, thing yeah. but, but look that is the other thing that teams like the Patriots are doing very well and you're seeing it from the Eagles a lot recently as well is saying you know what after the fourth round it is such a lottery and really it's a lottery after the second round but yeah. after the fourth round it is such a lottery let's use those fifth fifth sixth seventh round picks to try and pick up some cheap veterans who can help us this year or next who you know maybe they're paid uh, their current team has paid a big amount of their guaranteed money mm. already maybe and i think Actually, horse trading with those later round picks, I'm fine with It's when you're trading away first, seconds, thirds. If you're not getting long-term impact from that, at least a player who's going to be starting for you for three or so years, then I'd much rather you were drafting a player.
0: And you can argue that bringing in veterans, quality veterans, helps these undrafted guys and their development because there is that kind of um, learning from the best and... and, and, um, garnering from their experience and stuff so yeah I get it it's, I get it it's just if I was a Seahawks fan I'm, I wouldn't necessarily be looking forward to the draft this year yeah, that much
1: my point, my point is I don't want to be a naysayer it's absolutely the right decision to pay Russell Wilson that amount of money quarterbacks are probably still underpaid in the wider world of sport but it does make it difficult to succeed. And that's not me being a 49ers fan having a dig at the the Seahawks. That's just a wider observation like. of how the NFL is working. Yeah, right, mate. Um, let's hear from Cliff Averill. Yep. Uh, defensive end, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, Super Bowl winner there. Talking to our very own Matt Sherry, um, it, Matt went up and spoke with all the guys who are on this current NFL UK tour, and apparently it's been absolutely superb. So, you know, uh, Kurt Warner and uh, I try to think who else Michael was on Irvin. It Michael Irving, uh, but a lot of the stuff that he's talking about has been more historical, and we'll hear those bits at a later date, uh, a couple of projects we're working on. But Cliff Averill, what I love about this from Sherry is this is classic Matt Sherry, um, you know, straight-to-the-point northern man chat, because there's no fluffing here. There's no how are you enjoying the UK, little, like, softball questions. He goes in hard from moment one
3: Hazel Irvin here and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief and these riders have got their kit on they are rearing to go and they're off taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park it's Daphne from accounting riding the spreadsheet demon chair up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sport Relief merchandise at Janneras Sainsbury's. Sport Relief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast.
4: Cliff, I want to talk a little bit about the the dynasty that never was in Seattle. Um, <laughs> Coming <now> out swinging. <laughs> yeah, no, but it just it does fascinate me because I, the first Super Bowl I ever covered was was the one against the Broncos, okay. and and I feel like the feeling inside the press room after that game was this is a team that is going to win 3 or 4 and why why didn't it happen um i think a lot of things happened with that whole
2: situation you know uh from uh guys getting a little older um, I think you know the second Super Bowl kind of played a role a little bit as well but um, overall though you know I think the the run was amazing as far as for what we were able to do collectively as a defense collectively as a team you know because um, that that type of stuff doesn't happen in NFL too often
4: Have you ever been in an environment like the one that Pete Carroll <laughs> creates in terms of you know the competition days during the week in practice he, he seems to just create this this crazy environment for guys.
2: Yeah, no, no. I've never, ever since uh, playing ball, you know, in, in high school on up, I've never been around a coach that that had that approach to the game. But not only was it uh, the competitive, it's it's kind of like a psychological uh, thing too, because it, it's not only that it's a competitive environment, but it's also fun. Like typically, when you think of competition, you think of oh my gosh, it's you know, it's it's nonstop work and it's hard and all, it's like it's fun. In the midst of it as well, you know, and it's competing at everything, you know, competing to who can get to meetings first, competing who who can, you know, shoot hoops in 30 seconds the most. So he always keeps you in a competitive mode. And but it's also fun at the same time. So I thought that was pretty cool to coach Carroll.
4: I'd, I was writing a bit recently about the steel curtain defense, and people remember the defensive line and kind yeah. of forget the amazing linebackers, the, the great cornerbacks. It's a little bit similar with the Legion of Boom, isn't it? <laughs> the opposite, you know. People forget Michael Bennett, Cliff Avril, yeah. um, that Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright. You know, that was what was it like to be on a defense that good at all three levels? Because particularly in the in the free agency area NFL, it's rare that we're going to get units like that.
2: Uh, it's going to be very difficult for them to be able to replicate something like that. But, um, you know, to be a part of a defense like that where so much talent, it was so fun. But the talent is what allowed us to thrive, too, because if Richard Sherman's playing well, it forced me to play well. If Michael Bennett's is playing well, it forced uh, uh, Bobby Wagner to play well, you know, and nobody wanted to be the weakest link. Everybody wanted to, you know, the, nobody wanted to drag the other person down, you know. So I, I wanted to go out there and ball out because I knew Sherm had my back because I know Cam had my back. Um so so what we had was very special and and it would be very very hard to replicate
4: in this era of football like you just said. How difficult was the the goal line call? <laughs> in terms of getting over it in the locker room cuz it it did feel like that that moment perhaps did change the course of history not just in that game but as we've said potentially down the line as well
2: you know what when i was going through it i didn't think nothing of it you know for me it was like man we made it to the super bowl we can get back you know lord willing guys can stay healthy uh, i didn't think about but looking you know being removed from it for four years now uh, and listening to the media a little bit listening to uh, what some of the guys are saying i could see that have probably played a big a, a little bit of a role of why Guys, kind of um, why we didn't get back again, you know. And I, I, but again, like I said, when I was in the midst of it, I just thought we were going to get back. But you know, injuries and different things like that started happening.
4: Do, do, do you think actually, in hindsight, it was the right call? Because it, it, it there's debate, but New England did have extremely heavy personnel on the field, and realistically, they showed a, a defense kind of half nickel, half heavy personnel that they'd never never shown before. It felt like with the package that was on the field, actually, the run would have. Perhaps gone for minus one yards anyway. Yeah, but you got beast mode. Um, (laughs) But
2: that being said, though, honestly, I've never questioned Coach Carroll, uh, even to this day. I never questioned him as far as for his play calling uh, on defense or offense. Because at the end of the day, you know, for the players on defense, we were fans at the moment, right? We're like, oh, they have to run it. They have to run it. Oh, wait up, we're throwing it. Oh, my gosh. You know, so the same reaction, but we never questioned any of the other calls, right? We never questioned any of uh, the calls in the first quarter, or anything like that, or even during the season. So for me, it was just more of a, you know, if he catches that, then nobody even thinks about the run. You know, so it's a catch-22.
4: Just on that Super Bowl, though, it's the best Super Bowl I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the best Super Bowl I've ever seen because it's one of the few times I can look at it and say without question. The best two teams in the league that year were on the field. And did, did, does it feel like that? Which one? Both of them or is it the one against New England? De- definitely New England because I, I, mean, I, I thought New England were a better
2: team. Um, yeah, no, no. I, I I would agree. I would not even say the one we, went, we won as well because if you think about it with the Peyton Manning situation, at that time they had the, the most prolific offense ever. You know, and we shut that down, and then playing against Brady. So we, we played against t- arguably the top two best uh, quarterbacks in the last, you know, decade and, and some change. Um, but yeah, no, it was definitely the best two teams out there, and it became a chess game. It became a chess game, and seeing who can make what moves, and and not necessarily this play, but you know, think about
4: you know three or four plays later and how you can play it. As a former Seahawk, what did you think of the, the news this week? On oh, and, 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 the, and the way it was announced was... was <laughs>
2: <laughs> that thing went viral, man. Um, you know what? I'm happy for Russ. I'm happy for Russ. I'm happy for Sierra. I'm happy for their family. He deserves it, man. You know, this guy, he, he hasn't missed one start in seven years. He's, you know, a five-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champ. I mean, he has every single accolade that, that all these other quarterbacks that are the top paid don't have except for Aaron Rodgers you know and so he deserves every bit of it and the big question mark was hey you know what is he going to do without a defense because you know fortunately for him he had a a pretty solid defense the first few years of his career and then last year he goes out there and balls out gets you 10 wins you know and and so he knows how to win games and I have nothing but
4: respect for Russell and he definitely deserves it let me borrow a dollar now Russ (laughs) Have you ever had a quarterback you are more confident in with two minutes left in the game on on your team? I mean, I I remember in his rookie season against the Bears at, at uh, Soldier Field, I think it was, mm-hmm. when he drove you guys down the field. I think it was his rookie season at the end of the year. Against the Bears, uh, yeah, and. Um, and 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 he just seems like he had so many moments like that in his career, and and even that Super Bowl against the periods he driven you kind of right to the goal line as well.
2: Exactly. I mean, that, that's the one thing about him that I, I don't think people give him enough credit for is because he really has the attitude of even if he throws an interception, even if there was a court, uh, a touchdown, it's starting all over again. You know, uh, I remember the the Green Bay game, uh, our second Super Bowl year. I think he, I believe he threw four or five interceptions yeah. that game, right? And still in the fourth quarter, he found a way to be able to go back down the field and score touchdowns. And to be honest with you, most quarterbacks, most players, after they after example, if I jumped off sides three times, my get off my like I'm done for the game because, you know, I'm afraid of, you know, taking that risk. Most people tank after something like that. Not him. You know, he 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 just puts it behind him and keeps thriving. So, again, you know, I have nothing but respect for his, his mental strength more so than anything.
4: And and as a guy now looking back, do you kinda of see the blueprint of what Pete Carroll did with you guys, them trying to follow it? Does it feel like they've almost rebooted Russ is obviously the constant, yeah. but it does feel like they're in that reboot phase and trying to create the same? Well, I wouldn't even say it's a reboot phase, right? Because when he really just started in Seattle,
2: he didn't have a quarterback. He didn't have the, the one of the best linebackers in the league. He had nothing. Um, you know, people were saying this last year, oh it's a reboot stage or a rebuild stage this year. And I'm like, how do you rebuild when you have one of the most elite quarterbacks in the NFL? How do you rebuild when you have the, arguably the best linebacker uh, in, in the NFL? Both sides, that's the quarterback for both sides of, the, of of your offense and defense. So it wasn't a rebuild year. It was more so just find players that can fit in the scheme and these other guys will, will lead you
4: to, to wins. That's perfect. Thanks very much, man. Yes,
1: no problem. Matt Sherry speaking with Cliff Averill, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, hey, Willie! He? Uh... I think that's everything we need to talk about today. I lots think lots of so. draft stuff coming up, but is there anything else you want to touch on?
0: I don't think so. Um, I mean did we talk about, did we talk about Aaron Rodgers, the Aaron Rodgers expose? We didn't really, but maybe we'd do that at some other time. Well, maybe, uh, we get, uh, yeah. maybe we get the guy on. That would be good.
1: Yeah, I think that could be something we do in the off-season post-draft and, and maybe we look at the situation that they're in after the draft. The fact is is that we've, you know, we've had these draft pods and stuff like that that have been taking up the time, but it's been a much more relaxed take on the off-season and I think that's, there's no problem with that. Nobody's been massively complaining. Maybe I'd like them to complain more. Maybe I'd like to hear more on Twitter, where's the latest podcast? I
0: don't. At you Will know, Gav if know you, know you
1: want to know. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> don't at don't me in it. At Will Gav. At Ollie Hunter, always at Ollie Hunter. All right, or mate. talk hunts, as he's going to change it to. Uh, <laughs> Just following your lead, talk, Gav. So, Ollie, any final thoughts?
0: I think I'm going to go and see if Grimble will do us a final Grimble thought. Great, um, always
1: appreciated when Grimble gets involved. Always. All right. Uh, love you lots, buddy. All right, buddy. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening at Gridiron on Twitter and Instagram. Go there and you can find the Cliff Averill videos that go with the interview you've heard on this show. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show.
0: All right, mate. Well done. I'll, uh, I'll text you about that um, that other rights chat.
3: Hazel Irvin here and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for Sport Relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off, taking an early lead and in smashing injustice right out of the park. It's Daphne from accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We Don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Cherro Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco! Unbelievable! You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at Sportrelief.com. Sportrelief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast.